everyone, it's Lauren from the future. I forgot to give um, a content warning while we were recording, so I'm going to do that now. Um, this is a gory one. It is a little nasty. Um, there is mention of sexual assault and rape in this episode, so if you would like to not hear that, I completely understand. This is your time to click off, and if you want to stay tuned, I think it's a really good one. Um, thank you so much for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the now not unnamed true crime podcast. We are now called the Armchair Detectives. How fitting. Um, My name is Lauren. I'm here with Avery, Maggie, and Alina today. A fun fact about me is I didn't go to any of my classes today because self-care. I don't know. I'm Maggie. Um, A fun fact about me is... I finished editing my first video for TCTV. Ooh, what was it about? It was about the Allstate Band members from our school. Riveting, I like it. (laughs) I'm Alina, and a fun fact that I have is not about me, but it's about the Bling Ring movie. Um, And they actually filmed in Paris Hilton's house for some of the scenes which I think is interesting that she let them do that. So yeah. Um, my name is Avery and a fun fact about me is I bought two family size bags of Pockies today after school. So. Uh, I love Pocky. <laughs> me too. Uh, anyway, today we have some fun little, fun little true crime cases. If they're unsolved, we will solve them. <laughs> because we're just that good. Uh, a little bit about the bling ring though. We talked about it last week and it's such like a fun story. You should check it out if you haven't. But I watched the movie this week and it is interesting to say the least. It's a very good story. They had some very good actresses in it. Not very good, but like execution wise, not very good. I did enjoy watching it, though, and I probably will watch it a few more times. Yeah, I watched it, like, a long, long time ago, and I just liked Emma Watson's Watson's character. Richie. Yeah, I saw recently that they actually filmed in, like, Paris Hilton's closet for um, those scenes. I don't know. I feel like if I was Paris Hilton and these teenagers actually robbed my house and then they wanted to make a movie, I probably wouldn't let them film in my house, but I don't know. I think she's very free-spirited. Yes, she's so. Honestly, if I was very Sultan, I wouldn't let them film in my house, and I would let them rob me again. Good content. Anyway, so today my case is The Watcher. And it's like, an, it's very unsettling. It's something that shivers my little spine, to be perfectly honest. Um, and it happened like more recent than most of our cases, which is also frightening and scary and I don't like it. I know exactly what you're talking about and I hate this case. Mm-hmm. It like, ooh, I don't- It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, like le- reading, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. it Anyway, in June 2014, Maria and Derek, I don't know how to say their last name. That's kind of embarrassing. Like Brodus, I think. We're going to go with that. We're getting ready to move into 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey with their three children. 657 Boulevard was considered the Brodus's like dream home. And 
It's located in the 30th safest city in the U.S. Three days after like completing the sale, they got a letter in their mailbox addressed to the new owners. And in like chunky letters, the letter said, Dearest new neighbor of 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? Which that is kind of gross. Um, 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches it, as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched the house in the 1960s. Now it is my time. Personally, I hate that. Hot take. That doesn't yeah. fit right. Who, okay, who in their right mind has that be like a family tradition where you're like, okay, really uncomfortable. You're going to go watch this house until yeah, you die, but- and then you're going to have your child watch it. Like, what? <laughs> and then they were like waiting for its second coming. What What event happened in it past that? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It honestly kind of seems like a cult house. It does. But why don't they just buy the house? I don't know. <laughs> take, if my family watched a house for a hundred years, we would just buy it. I don't know though. Maybe we're just- I feel like, yeah, it would be less than a hundred years. Like I would be like, okay, five years, yeah. I'm done with this. Or just like rent the house out, you know, and then you can like- well, What if they need like sacrifices? We'll, we'll get into that later. But oh, um, my God. anyway, and then, um. The rest of the letter goes, who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive past 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I've counted. Do you need to fill the house with the with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to sick me. The author signed this as the watcher in like a cursive font at the bottom. The young blood. Disgusting. Yeah, I think that like- That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes back to the cult thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. If I got that letter in the mail, I'd be gone. I'd be like, nope, yes. not doing it. You yep. can go stay at a hotel or something. I am not staying here. And then they're like, um, Ooh, did you need to fill the house with a young blood? I requested once I know their names, I'll call them to me. That's scary. Just a little bit. That dog agrees. Okay. Yeah, I was about to meet myself. Sorry. No, they got a good take. Um, <laughs> after receiving the letter, the Brodus family reached out to the previous owners of the house, a couple named John and Andrea Woods. The Woods family told the Brodus family that they have only received one letter from the watcher in 23 years that they've lived at 657 Boulevard, but it had been mere days before they moved out. So like they just threw a le- 
away the letter. They didn't like think anything about it. And then after talking to the Woods families, the two families went to the police to tell them like about both of their letters. And then the police told them to keep quiet about the watchers so they could, you know, examine the neighbors as all like suspects. Um, two weeks after they bought the house, they still didn't move in because they were a little bit scared. Hot take, I would be a little bit scared too. Um, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, a second letter arrived. The letter had like some information about them. They like spelled their last name on it, but they spelled it wrong. Embarrassing. And then it had the children's birth order along with the children's nicknames, which is also kind of gross. It also referencing their daughter painting on the porch and it asked if she was the artist in the family. The letter continued on to say, it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedroom facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It'll help me to know who is who and in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. After receiving that Maria and Derek stopped bringing their children to the house and they like stopped all their plans to move in. And then a third letter came and it read, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Disgusting. That is nasty. Absolutely who, vile. Why? Who? Okay. What kind of boring life do you have to have where you go and you sit outside this house and stalk these people you don't even know? Maybe they did know them. That or I don't think it's someone that like actually comes often because like you notice someone like standing around your house or like driving by constantly. Mm -hmm. Unless if they lived in the neighborhood, I guess. It could be multiple people too yeah like how would they i don't know i feel like if you're getting these letters you're going to be on the lookout for like somebody in a car that's suspicious or somebody that's like walking or near so i just like wonder how this person watched them and like was able to gather so many details yeah that's and then after an entire year of investigating there were no leads this began to put stress on the family Mr. Derek, the father, started having um, pits of depression, and then Maria started having PTSD, and they were both conflicted with um, paranoia as well. Six months after the arrival of the last, like, letters, the Brodises decided to sell the house, but they couldn't sell it because of all the rumors surrounding their house now. Um, they attempted to sue the Woods family for not disclosing the threatening letter that they received. However, the judge threw out the case because there's no like evidence that they intentionally hid the letter from them because the, it was the only letter that they got. So they, did, they didn't think it was anything. Um, the Brodises also considered selling the house to a developer to tear down like the house and separate it into like two different plots because it was a big house. So there was room, but the neighborhood like plans had, they were like three feet too small for like the neighborhood to like agree to it. So they brought it to like, um, 
where was I? They brought it to like the neighborhood planning board and then they did they decided to reject the offer to like sell it to the developer. And um, it's interesting to be noted that in 2018, the same board that rejected their offer approved another offer to split a house. And the exception that they had was a lot like bigger. So they were like off by more than three feet. How do you like hear their story and just be like, no, can't help you. I don't know. I feel like if I heard that, I'd be like, it's not that far off. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I just feel bad for them. Like, Like they've had a tough time with the letters and then they're not able to sell the house even to a developer. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, I think the house is like one point something million. Oh, they would have got some money. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money to lose. Yeah, and it's so odd that they like did they accepted it for someone else who was more off than them. Yeah, that's suspicious. I don't like that. It is. Um, in this. Okay, in the Christmas of 2015, the families who expressed anger over like the Broda's decision to try to like split the property were sending like threatening letters, signed like friends of the Brodus family. Which is like, it's not that deep, I don't know. And then in the spring of 2016, two years after the first letter arrived, the Brodus's found a family that was willing to rent the home for me on the condition that they could like back out if another letter arrived. And then within two weeks of them renting, they got a letter addressed to the house that said that that was addressed to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria, which is choice language. Um, The letter also read 657 Boulevard survived your attempt assault and stood strong with this army of supporters barricading its gates, which refers to them trying to split the property. And then my soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. Do you think that the watcher could be someone involved in like law somehow? And that's like why it didn't get split into two properties, but a bigger or a smaller house did or something? Maybe, maybe there was someone on like the neighborhood planning board. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it was someone from the neighborhood so they could watch from their house. I don't know. But, like, what would be their motive to that? Like, what? Maybe it was, like, their childhood home or something. And they don't want to see it, like, gone. But, like, at the same time, they, like, are sick and want to, like, terrorize someone. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe that's just what they, like, they're like, this, like, I like people being in fear. Because there are people like that. Like, there are people who are, like, they they live off of people being afraid of them. Yeah. Hot take, I'm not one of those people. But maybe the letter is, his letter continues. It says, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you, but makes you feel sick after day, after day, after day, after day. 
the mysterious death of a love pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break, you're despised by the house and the watcher one. And then this like scared the people renting the house, obviously. And they agreed to stay as long as there were more cameras um, installed. And so they installed more cameras. Um, and then there was like at the house, there were no like foreign fingerprints, no digital trail, no way to suspect like anything. There were no like evidence of anything to like pin anybody down. They managed to put together three main suspects still. There was a guy that was nicknamed the gamer um, because he would play violent video games all the time. And there was a character in one of his games called the watcher, but this isn't, I don't know if it's like a fact because a, one of the investigators were like, they pulled it from memory. He was like, oh yeah, one of like the characters in this game is the watcher. But there was like, they didn't like look into it. And then he, they were like, you want to come in for questioning? And the gamer was like, sure. And then he didn't show up and they didn't have enough evidence to make it like um, mandatory that they question him. So they didn't. Um, um, there's also a theory that the watcher is Michael Langford, which is a neighbor of them. And this theory was made by Derek who in the house and he suspected that it was Mr. Langford because they intended, they attended like um, a neighborhood barbecue like right after the arrival of the first letter. Mr. Langford was nine, he lived next door with his 94 year old mother and he just had, yeah, he had a tendency to spook the neighbors by like just looking like a little freak. Um, and then because of the positions of the house, he would be able to see the porch where the watcher had mentioned their daughter painting. They questioned him after the first letter, but he denied knowing anything. And then um, because the letters kept coming, they kind of like didn't suspect him as much because like why would he keep continuing them if they were like suspecting him in the first place? There was a little bit of DNA, but it was a woman. And they maybe like questioned his sister, Abby, who might've come to visit and maybe like they were in on it together, but it wasn't like a perfect match. And then they just like, they, they had to drop the suspects because they didn't have enough. And the authorities completely like disregarded the Langfords and they didn't tell like the Brodises why, like a good reason why they stopped questioning them, they just did. And then the final theory is that the Watcher is a made up character from the Brodus family. They, some of the neighbors found it suspicious that they would be able to move from a $300,000 home to a $700,000 home to the $1.3 million home. And um, maybe they were trying to get out of buyer's remorse by like saying like, there's someone watching us and we, we can't live here. And then like some people wondered why the family kept renovating the house, even though they 
decided that they can't move in. Um, and then a lot of like major movie studios were trying to secure the rights to the story as well. So maybe they tried to like sell something so they'd be able to like afford where they're living and like such like that. And then if you remember the Friends of the Brodus family letters that was written around Christmas after like they denied the plots to be like the plot to be split it was um, confirmed that that was Derek. And he said he only sent them out because of like frustration, but um, they couldn't confirm that he like wrote the original Watcher letters. And then I think that's pretty much it. If they like got away with it, they got a movie deal. Yeah. What was, an odd story. What was the, yeah, what was the movie? Um, I think it's called The Watcher as well. I don't know. I have to look it up. Oh. Man, there are a lot of um crime stories turned movies. Yeah, I think it's weird that he would write letters to people even when he's like supposedly getting them. So it's like, why would you do that to someone else when it's happening to you too? There was um, there was one more neighbor in their neighborhood that also got like a letter from the watcher, and that's like, that's one of the reasons why people don't think it was them, like their own family, because why would they? There, there's just no reason to like send. Them. Yeah. Yeah, and also if it was due to buyer's remorse then like we saw the product of it like if they wrote those letters to themselves to like get out of the house right like it made the house more unsellable or less sellable i guess so like just why would they do that if they didn't want to be in the house anymore right so uh. i don't know i like this case is a little frustrating just because there's not a lot of like evidence behind anyone. Yeah, at this point it's all just theories. Yeah. Yeah. And that they're like suck. And they're like not very good theories. I don't think the neighbors did it honestly. I think that's too obvious. Yeah. I feel like, but in these stories, like in the, like in these like types of things where like people have a stalker, it's typically someone that they know, but like, not like a close person to their family or to them, but like someone that they've met before. And like how they had that barbecue, they met all of their neighbors, right? So I just think it's more likely that it was a neighbor rather than just like a random person or what if the neighbor wants to get rid of them or something yeah like they're like oh you don't fit in here like you're not our type of people yeah they like got the vibe check and like them um yeah what was her face maria the wife she was like 
when she was claiming how like frustrated she was with like the neighborhood's decision to not split the property she was talking about how she lived there like around there before and now she wanted to bring her children to be raised there too and it just can't happen now because of them so maybe i don't know maybe she was a bad child and she made some enemies hmm. but also this is just i don't know this was in 2014 and they still like they still got away with it yeah i don't know in 2014 like there was definitely like little microscopic cameras that you could have installed in like your mailbox That's true. or wherever you were getting the letters like from they could have gotten cameras for like so cheap yeah and like because like yeah i guess it makes sense like if you just have cameras on like your porch or like pointing across the street if your well, yeah, but most mailbox is a letters right but like the thing is is like like it, it wouldn't have been sent in the regular mail would it i feel like that's I mean, too like yeah it, like maybe did it ever say where they were getting the letters from like if it was just in the mailbox uh no it just delivered oh wait the first one it was in their mailbox i don't know about the others that's like when you put a camera there yeah yeah but like because like you want to put it like right on the thing where it will be pointed at a face so that you can see someone's face rather than just like a dark figure with a dark hoodie right also like if i was the watcher i would have other people deliver my letters for me right but then you could trace that back like um you know if there's you are you find that person if there was money wired to them to deliver this um and it was just a random person that this that the watcher sent then you you know you interrogate them and um i don't know i watch i watch too much like criminal minds and law and order and stuff but like you interrogate them and you like try to figure out like who gave them the, the letter to put in hot take yeah. i'm not the watcher but I would, like, on the envelope, I would write, like, their address, and I would put it in a neighbor's mailbox, so they would open it and be like, oh my god, the mail put this in the wrong mailbox, and they would go give, like... Oh, that's smart. Oh! Um, Lauren, are you sure you're not the watcher? I'm, like, almost positive. I don't know. That's what the watcher is. Yeah, Lauren, it always feels like you're behind every single one of these cases. I don't really know if we can trust you at this point. I'm just an armchair detective. <laughs> Watcher. For, for now, maybe. Well, technically the people listening to this are the watchers. Or the listeners. Are they the listeners? They don't get the they don't get the video version. Yeah, that's pretty much it for the watcher. I don't know who it is. Actually, I do. It's me. Case solved. <laughs> solved in the case. Well, you just pleaded guilty, so. If any law enforcement is watching this, it's not me, guys. They didn't <laughs> roll my eyes. They can't see the video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, what case is next? I can go next. All right.
So I am going to be talking about um, the eyeball killer. Um, warning, this gets pretty graphic um, because as you probably can infer from his name, um, he took out people's eyeballs. <laughs> um, so his Wait, name- the one from Dallas? Yes, he's from Dallas. I wanted to do a Texas one. Um, so he, his name is Charles Albright. Um, and he was actually born in Amarillo, Texas, obviously, um, on August 10th, 1933. Um, so I, his, his life history does not seem so important, like his like early life. So I'm not gonna talk about that. <laughs> um, so his, verse, his first victim was um, Mary Lou Pratt. Um, so she was discovered, her body was found on December 13th, uh, 1990. Um, so his main MO was, um, sex workers, prostitutes, um, and he would tell his wife, uh, or his partner, I don't believe they were married. Um, he would tell his girlfriend that he was going on like a paper route, um, to drop off papers, right? But um, it was really just like uh, a disguise for him going to see prostitutes. Um, so while performing her autopsy, medical examiners discovered her eyes had been carefully removed um, as if like someone who had like a, a medical or like surgical background had done it um, because like, eyes are very delicate tissue and so like they were able to tell a clear difference between like someone messily doing it versus someone doing it delicately um so she was they believe she was killed the night before um on december 12 1990 but she was found in a field and naked to the waist um, and she had been beaten and she was, she had been, her, her reason for death was that she had been shot in the back of the head. And so then two months later, they find another body, the body of Susan Beth Peterson. And uh, it was the same road that Pratt had been discovered. Um, so she was found nearly nude and she died with a gunshot to the head and her eyes were removed like by like a medical professional and the police they were like uh okay clearly there's a con clear connection between these two cases we're looking for the same guy for these two um so like establish a pattern for Charles Albright. Um, while the police never released details of the murders, like, you know, the eyes have been cut out or they've been shot in the back of the head, um, the news spread about, like, this killer. Um, and he was dubbed, like, the Dallas Ripper or the Dallas Slasher. And so his third and final victim 
um, or like, I guess, murder victim, um, was found on March 19th, 1991, which was just like a month after his second victim. Um, and so she was propped up against a tree um, on like a residential street across from an elementary school, which I think is really horrible. Um, her name was Shirley Williams and she had obviously been shot in the head. Um, and there was actually a broken, like, you know, like exacto knives. There was a broken blade from an exacto knife embedded in the skin around her, her right eye, a sloppier removal than before. So does that mean they were like rushed? Yeah. So like he had obviously been like caught or something. Um, and he was trying to like do it really fast. Right. Uh, I know. I think this, what this guy does is so horrible. Why so would, how does he find enjoyment in that? Like, what? People are why sick. Eyeballs? I don't know, man. Yeah, eyeballs so, are... like, obviously, police began interviewing prostitutes and sex workers in the area, like downtown Dallas, which is really close to where we are. Um about like suspicious people or customers, whatever. Um, this woman named uh, Brenda Smith um, told police she had recently escaped a violent man after spraying him with mace. Um, and another woman, Ver Veronica Rodriguez, claimed she had been raped and nearly killed by a white man um, near the Mary Pratt crime scene before fleeing to the house of a man later identified. Um, and so a deputy recalled hearing Albright's name on a tip line from someone who said her friend, victim Mary Pat, had briefly dated a man who was obsessed with eyes and had a large collection of exacto blades. So they were like, okay, clearly it's this dude, right? He has an obsession with eyeballs and he has exacto knives. Like the jar of eyes? Why do people, why do people? That is vile. Oh yeah. Um, so, and then they arrested him and um, he's been sentenced to one life sentence, which like, I don't think is enough. Like he brutalized these women and eyeballs yeah and like that's all he gets it's because they hate women <laughs> they hate women they don't especially like back then especially yeah. back then they said no rights for sex workers yeah because like back then it was i mean it still is a crime which i think is ridiculous but that's a personal opinion yeah we'll see We'll talk about it later when this becomes the politics podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just, there's so many cases that are always against sex workers. And I just, like, don't understand oh, yeah. I think it's why, men, why men just, like, brutalize them. And yeah. do all these well, things in, the, vulnerable. in the 90s and, like, early 2000s, even in the 80s, too, they were really, they were a really easy target because typically they didn't have any like family. They were trying to like, they weren't 
they didn't have like a good home life um so they were trying to escape um like real life and trying to make money and so they're just like an easy target which is really sad the only way to make sex work safe is to make it legal hot yes no not a hot take not a hot take at all a correct take yeah hot take men shouldn't be taking out women's eyeballs hot take yeah that's weird men shouldn't exist (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) Um, i saw this this has nothing to do with this case but i did see um a TikTok and it was like look at our promise rings and they like were like little eyeballs of like each other's not real eyeballs but like it was each other's eye and i thought that was very sweet um oh. <laughs> i hate that but yeah, like yeah especially like, after hearing this case yeah, of this guy i think that's creepy <laughs> how, do, how, do you just like go up to your like best friend or significant other and be like look can we get matching eyeball rings over each other's eyes? Like, that I so creepy. Until I heard this case, I thought it was very romantic, personally. But now it's not romantic, because I think, I think people who have an obsession over, like, noses or eyeballs, like, really just anything, I'm just like, you're weird. If you have interests, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did make the mistake of looking at images when I looked up the eyeball killer, and um, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, no. No, it's very brutal. It's very brutal. The first picture is blurred out, like the eyes are blurred out, but right under it, you can see the unblurred image of like them looking at her eye sockets. They have a giant eyeball in Dallas. I didn't know that. Oh, maybe that's right. Oh, I just looked it up. I should have listened to you. Yeah, you don't look it up. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, also, I think it was that Charles guy might have solved it. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, that was always solved for us, but I was just like, I have to talk about this. This guy is crazy. Imagine if it was. Also... It is, but imagine if it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was just like, man, like, and, like, it brings up the, like, fact of sex workers and then being targeted and everything so i was like can we talk about how we have an album (laughs) i know it's called like it's called like um something something charles albright like it has his name in the album title and i'm like you cannot do that no one knows who you are until after went charles albright that's it came out this year yeah he made music last year Okay, he has a song on it called We All Go to Heaven. Um, <laughs> not you, buddy. Not I'll you. Take, I... <laughs> That's insane. I'm going to listen to that. Album review next oh, podcast. He has That's another crazy. song called Dan Cook, Nickelback, The Olive Garden. And I don't know how to pronounce that word. That's the entire song name. I'm like, I want to like listen to it, but I don't want to support him. <laughs> I know. I, I'll take one for the team and find it illegally. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you are law enforcement watching this, I will not. We need to. Okay. Why is YouTube Music, Apple Music, and iHeartRadio supporting this man's album? And Spotify. 
He has he's signed to a record label. What? I'm definitely gonna. He has 20 wow. monthly listeners. If that makes anyone feel better. How old is he? He's 80 something. You can't even report an artist. Yeah. I wish I could report. 87. That's too old to be making music. Yeah, old people can't make music. Hot take, because they don't have taste. (laughs) Especially serial killer 87-year-olds. Yeah. Like, really, please do not make music. That's crazy. Why? How is he? Okay, if he's in prison, how is he allowed to make an album? People in prison are allowed to make music. Yeah, especially if you're, like, in there for life. Like, if you're in there for life, they kind of give you, like, special things. Like, not, not, like, special, special, like, they give you special yeah. treatment or anything. Isn't for yeah. life only, like, 25 years? It's, like, 15. No. It's, no. For life is, like, oh, until oh, you die. Yeah, yeah. If you get, it's a, like, you get a life sentence. Yeah. Oh, like, parole, but, like, the, yeah, but, like, with the, like, the saying that I'm sure that you're thinking of is, like, 25 to life. For like first degree murder, yeah. yeah. If you get a life sentence, um, they usually determine if you get parole or not. And if you get parole, you can like go out into the world. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, my thing is, I definitely believe in like prison, like reform and stuff. And I think that like the point of prison is to make a person become a better person, you know. But I feel yeah, like if you did such a know. yeah, if you did such a vile crime, I deserve. I think you deserve to like not be able to enjoy things yeah i think if you like stole something i hot take you deserve to be a person or if you like got a drug charge or something just like like, something something hot take no one should be put under the death penalty but definitely this dude (laughs) definitely this dude i think his punishment should be his eyes have to be taken out (laughs) now that's an idea Eye for an eye. I have a hot This take. is I think off topic. Okay, wait, you go first and then I'll tell you. Well, mine's also off, off topic. But I think <laughs> okay. rape is as bad as murder. Because they oh, kind yeah. of have to live with it. Murder, mm-hmm. they're dead. Mm-hmm. That is that it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think the charges shouldn't be like six months to like five years. I think they should be in yeah. there forever. And some people just get away with it. Yeah. yeah. I hate that so much. Yep. I'm looking at and if you, um, apparently, like, like, uh, not all, uh, what's it called? Not all, like, people who are charged with rape are put on the sex offender registry. Yeah. yeah and I'm like, why? Especially when it happens school. to, like, younger men. They're like, oh, I don't want to ruin his life. He's, um, cares. This is it's like he ruined it for himself. Mm-hmm. He ruined someone else's life. Sort of going back on on topic to what we're talking about and like sending Satan and stuff. Um, I was watching the new Netflix series, The Night Stalker, and um, I'm not gonna say much on this case because I'll probably cover it next week. But um, I didn't. This is like in the '90s, or it was like maybe late '80s, '90s when he got sentenced. And they sentenced him to the gas chamber, which I thought they like took that away what? a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I like a gas. Yeah, do you think that they would have stopped that after uh, I don't know the Holocaust? 
Yeah, yeah it was in California. Ended up getting like appealed in the court, sense. and he ended up dying in 2013. Just that's so prison. But I was like, I didn't know that was an option anymore. Like, oh yeah. my god. Although Richard Ramirez is a horrible person, which we will find out why in the next episode. But <laughs> tune into next episode to find out. Um, this yeah. is actually no longer the armchair detectives. This is actually just a group of angry anxiety. <laughs> Honestly, is reasonable. Reasonable. It is. Absolutely. Anyway, um, we have one more case that we will quickly get through. Yay. Okay, so I am doing the Sauter children disappearance, basically. So on Christmas Eve of 1945 in Fayetteville, West Virginia, the Sauter's family house burned down at one in the morning. And George Sauter and Jenny Sauter and their nine children were all inside the house, but only four of the children got out. And that was the five children that were left in the house were Maurice, Martha, Louis, Jenny, and Betty. And then the five that were, or the four that were, um, that like got out were John, Marion, George Jr. And yeah, and baby Sylvia. And they were all supposed to, yeah, not me reading the wrong thing um and the five that like were left in the house they all had two rooms and they shared them together upstairs so they were harder to like get to basically and george tried to go back in and save the children but when he did the stairs were like on fire and it was just too much so he tried to go out and find his ladder so he could get to the window but it wasn't where he usually kept it and then another thing that was weird is he would try to, um, he was going to try and get his coal trucks and park them by the window so he could climb them. But um, the engines or something were messed up. <laughs> um, the engines were messed up or something because they like wouldn't start. But um, Marion, she was, I think, one of the few that like got out. She tried to go to a neighbor to call the police. And they didn't get a response, so they tried to go to another neighbor, thinking it was just, like, cell service or something, and they still didn't get a response. So the second neighbor actually drove into town and found the fire, nope, the fire chief, um, F.J. Morris, and he's kind of important. Um, so the fire department was only, like, 2.5 miles away from the house, but they didn't reach the Sauter family until 8 in the morning, which was seven hours after it was, like, the fire started, basically. Um, and the house was literally ash and rubble when the fire department got there and there like was no structure or anything but there were like a few um things like still left in the fire obviously but um they tried to look for the remaining children that didn't get out of the house and there was like no evidence or of any remains or anything and morris the fire chief he suggested that it was so hot that it just cremated the children but a lot don't believe that theory because bones are usually still left behind even after skin has been burned, like even like muscle. Plus, like there's no smell of burning flesh. So like even if they were fragmented, there's still nothing left. Um, and they deemed the cause of the fire as bad wiring. And the five that were left in the house were presumed dead. And in a week after the whole burning, of the house, the coroner's office gave them death certificates. So it, it just really kind of like sealed their fate that like 
the like law basically thought they like died in the fire. And George and Ginny, the two parents, believed that their children were kidnapped and that they didn't actually die. And it was like a week or two after the fire had happened. And they kind of like had a chance to mourn a little. Um, and they weren't like so hyped up with adrenaline. And that's like when they realized that like it's, it doesn't make sense that, you know. So a bunch of people think it's a theory that the fire was set to distract everyone from the kidnapping and that the wiring was just an excuse and their children were getting kidnapped while everyone was distracted um, getting out of the house. And George had gotten the wiring checked. So that's why they don't think it was faulty wiring at all because it was in the fall. No, that's only like a few months before the fire. Um, and it was like deemed safe to be like living in that house. So it's weird how it went from everything's totally fine and safe to it's faulty wiring that's like what caused a fire. George apparently was involved in some shady stuff. Um, a bunch of people assumed at least because he was from Italy and he never really explained why he like left so suddenly. And a lot of people just really thought that he was involved in something he shouldn't have been. And he was always making these really like opinionated claims about Mussolini or something. I don't know who that is, but it was someone important to them. And a lot of people think that's why the kids were kidnapped, but yeah. And then there was a salesman in October. Nope. Sometime in the fall. I don't know why I said October. It was a few months again before the fire and he was trying to make a sale and he saw that it was not going to be successful. So he got mad. And he told George, and I quote, your damn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. Going, oh, you're going to be get, get paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. So that's where the whole Mussolini thing ties in. Savage, okay. Um, side note, I just want to say that um, Mussolini was the Italian dictator during World War II and Italy was part of the Axis powers. So... So it makes sense that like Italy's tied in with all this then. Okay, thank you. Um, so Mussolini was one of the men that George talked about. I guess he talked about a couple of other people too, like the minister or something and how he didn't like him. And yeah, so it just kind of ties in. And then another strange occurrence is that before the house burned down like a few days before one of the older brothers saw a man watching two of the younger children coming home from school so I thought that was a little shady but like it was also on a highway so it could have been just someone hitchhiking or something before the fire Ginny answered the phone around like 12 30 and she noted that the lights were still on downstairs and that's important because when the fire was like going on they still saw the like lights were on and if it was caused by faulty wiring, there shouldn't have been like power in the house. At least that's what I'm assuming. It would make sense if there wasn't power in the house. But um, it just, if the lights were on, then it couldn't have been faulty wiring is what I'm getting at. But um, after she answered the phone call, she was trying to go to bed and she heard a really loud noise on the roof and something that sounded like rolling. And she fell asleep. And then like an hour later was when she woke to the fire. Oh, okay. So someone who witnessed the fire said they saw a man with 
some hook I forgot what it was called but it's basically meant to like remove engines or like what's the word I'm looking for just like mess them up a little bit alter them so um that's like where the whole like whole truck thing came in like they couldn't move so a lot of people think that the engines were like toyed with so they wouldn't work because like it wouldn't be reasonable to see like to remove the whole engine that would be really would be a lot so someone think it was just tampered with and then um they held a memorial in the backyard and it was like a week after the fire and george had covered the basement which was the only part of the house like left in dirt and um sylvia the toddler who was only two at the time she found a hard object and it was rubber and it could have been the loud noise that woke up Ginny or the rolling object. I don't know. That's just the theory. And after George got to look at the object, he saw that it was a pineapple bomb, which was popular in the war at the time. And um, I don't know why that would be in a backyard unless if it was like a military family maybe, but like, I don't think they were military. But um, Jenny was so upset about losing her children and the fact that they could have possibly burned in a fire, even though she doesn't really necessarily believe that. So she wanted to experiment with animal bones and all of them left remains. And she even spoke to a crematorium and was told that bones are still left behind even after they've been burned up to 2000 degrees for about like two hours. Even though it took the fire station like seven hours to get to the house, it only burned for 45 minutes. And if they did die in the fire, there should have been something left behind, like some sort of remains. Um, and there were still appliances found in the rubble. So like there shouldn't have been, there should have been bones if they did die. Like it, it shouldn't have been completely cremated. There's some people who have claimed to even see the children. And the first one was actually the night of the fire. This lady said she saw some children in a car as the fire was happening, which that could just be any family. like. It's hard to say it was like specifically them. Another lady said she saw them the next morning after the fire and said she served them breakfast and there was a car with a Florida license plate on it. And it was in some tourist court, but she said that they like were normal. They were just like eating and like quiet kind of and like shy. And then after the fire, it was like a few weeks um some woman in charleston claimed to see four out of the five children at a hotel she said and i quote the children were with two men and two women all of italian extraction i do not remember the exact date i tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner but one of the men seemed hostile and refused to allow me to talk to these children i sensed that i was being frozen out so i said nothing more they left early in the next morning and then years after, Ginny and George tried to get the FBI involved and they were willing to help. They offered and the police department and the fire department in Fayetteville declined and said, no, they like, didn't want to do it. And after that, they like didn't have much else left to do. So they went to a private investigator and his name was C.C. Tinsley. And Tinsley discovered that one of the jury members who decided that the fire was an accident also turned out to be the life insurance salesman from earlier. So they hired a pathologist to dig up and excavate the ground where the house was. And they found four shards of human vertebrae. So they sent them to Smithsonian 
to get analyzed. And the bones seemed to belong to someone who was 16 or 17, but the oldest child that was missing was only 14 years old. So I think like it's possible it could be them. It's like not that big of an age difference, but like it's, it's still not likely. There's also no evidence that the bones that were found were ever on fire or near fire and that they likely had been in the dirt that covered the basement, which is like, where are you getting your dirt? There shouldn't be bones in it. Um, the governor of West Virginia at the time called a hearing and declared that the case, case was closed. And he apparently said to the Sodders that their search was hopeless. So George and Ginny put up a billboard of their children and that billboard would remain there for 40 years. And it basically talks about how the kids were kidnapped and how the faulty wiring was not accurate, that there were never any evidence of remains that were found. And they accused law officers of helping cover up the case because they kind of did. Like they came up with a fake excuse of why it like burned down. It was just, it was was sketchy. And then some people of the town think that the mafia was involved or that the children are now in Italy after having been sold to an orphanage is morbid and then there was a letter from st louis and this woman basically claimed that their oldest daughter that was missing martha was in a convent there and someone in florida said that the children were living with jenny's distant relative but i don't know how they would know that and jenny wouldn't and that just doesn't make sense to me and then george would look into every single tip he got And they would come up blank. There would be nothing to it, basically. And in 1963, a photo would be sent to Ginny, and Ginny specifically. Like, it wasn't addressed to anyone else. And there was no return address. It was just a postcard. And it was marked in Kentucky. And it was a man in his mid-20s. And he had similar bone structure to Lewis, who was nine at the time of the fire. And he was one of the few missing. And they really believed it was him. So, especially because on the back of the note, it says, and I quote, Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, little boys, A90132 or 35. So they wanted to know what happened to him. So they hired a detective to go find the man in Kentucky. And the private detective was never heard from again after that. So George passed in 69, Jenny passed in 89, and one of the last remaining Sauter children um, was Sylvia. And she believes her siblings didn't die, that they were kidnapped, and her daughter and son are now um, investigating. And um, they've even like said, if there's any information, go to this website. I don't have it, but um, they're like actively still like searching for them and like looking for clues. But yeah, that's the disappearance of the Sauter children. That is crazy. Because it like, involves like Benito Mussolini, the mafia, like, like possibly the mafia. Um, that's really crazy. I think that salesman and then Morris. I think they were in on it together and they were weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they probably were sent to another country if not Italy. Yeah, especially because we don't have like a tight security like we do now. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that their private investigator went missing. Yeah, like, and like that's really awkward. 
I really think it was a salesman, though, because he kind of stated everything that happened. He said, your house is going to burn down, and your children are going to go missing, and you're going to pay for it. And they basically did pay for it because they didn't get any help from the government. Or law, I guess. That's crazy. How? I don't know. How do you even, like, pull off a heist like that? That's. They had to, like, think of, like, the ladder. They had to, like, break in and, like, move the ladder, first of all. And, like, the trucks are messed up. Yeah. And I know. And sure, like, the stairs would burn to a point there where they couldn't go up it in time. Yeah. yeah. A lot to think I just about. feel like... I just feel like this is a case that probably, like, if it happened later on in, like, the 20th century, it definitely could have been solved. Right, or even, like, fingerprints. Well, did they? Uh, everything would get, like, get burned, okay. I would assume. Any, like, evidence of, like, DNA, I would assume. Well, if there's stuff on the coal trucks if they were, like, tampered with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have, like, cases like The Watcher, where you think that would be pretty easy to solve, considering they yeah. had cameras and they just didn't. And The Watcher could still be out there, could be looking through your little window. Hot take, I hate stalkers. The idea of them. It scares me so much. That's but, like, it's kind of like your own little, like, spam. Like, they're like, oh my god, where are they going for lunch? Oh, like, uh... <laughs> you don't think about it. Like, the little, the little voice that many young women are cursed with. A little male validating, like, some um, guy is watching me right now, so maybe I'll lay a little bit like this instead. That's creepy. <laughs> that are... Isn't that a woman stalker? Every woman stalker. Not yes. The little voice in the back of your brain. Mm-hmm. I think it was the salesman guy solved. Oh, for sure. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Um, my name is Lauren. I also have Avery. Oh my God, Avery with me. Good Lord. Um, Ma- Maggie and Alina. And I think most of all, we'll see you next week. Unless someone kidnaps us. Uh, Or murders us. (laughs) Or takes our eyeballs. Yeah, takes our eyeballs so we can't see anyone next week. If anybody comes near my eyeballs, they will lose their eyeballs. If we all lost one eyeball, we could all wear each other's eyeballs or rings. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for watching. (laughs) Bye. Bye.